This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Great to have you with us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. We'll talk about the chaos on the airlines, a lot of unruly passengers, how airlines are dealing with that. Also, the business of comic books. They can be worth a lot of money. Right now, we'll just talk about the new home sales. Also, a possible government shutdown. Richard DeKazer is here, chief corporate economist at Wells Fargo, based in D.C. Richard, let's begin with new home sales up one and a half percent in August. Uh, talk about the significance of this. Yeah, it's a very solid report. Uh, the month of August, 740,000. Very strong showing. Uh, you know, it putting it in context, uh, however, uh, you know, we had stronger sales earlier in the year. There was this huge pent-up demand from uh, the wave, after the wave of uh, COVID over the winter subsided. So there's been a lot of volatility. It's been influenced by COVID, but on the whole, the housing market remains very solid, even though we're not at the peaks we saw earlier in the spring months. Very solid. And as we've been looking at things, are we still seeing those price increases? And, and I'm wondering if so, if that may get some home sellers off the fence, you know, if they think that they can make a good amount of money on their home. Yeah, and that's, here's what's happening in the housing market. We've had this tremendous surge in prices for a couple of reasons, the scarcity of supply, mostly. No one saw this level of demand coming as the way it had. There was a lot of pessimism lingering from the financial crisis of 10, 15 years ago. Uh, so prices are soaring. Prices are making homes less affordable. We're seeing that price appreciation slow down a little bit, but still very strong. Uh, and uh, that's likely to take a bite out of sales. It's likely to depress demand a little bit as home housing becomes a little less affordable. However, at the same time, builders are furiously bringing new product to market. So we're going to address this scarcity of properties, which should help to bring prices down to more reasonable levels. I'm not talking declines, but slower appreciation. So we basically got a housing market in transition. It's been very frothy due to unanticipated demand, supply shortages, resulting in higher prices. But we're seeing supply increase, which should get us back on a more even keel soon. Let's talk about the possibility of a shutdown. Uh, you, uh, it seems like this, this, it happens all the time, right? That this is a threat. Uh, does it seem like it's going to happen? What, what's economists thinking? Well, it's never clear entirely uh, because these games are always a matter of brinkmanship. They go to the 11th hour, at which point deal, at least historically, at which point a deal is struck. I'm assuming that will again be the case. Uh, but if not, October 1st is next week, and there will be no funding. The government will be required to shut down, meaning non-essential activities will cease. Uh, and that includes, frankly, you know, a number of very important things uh, like, uh, you know, uh, social security checks, for example. Um, so uh, that is looming. I don't think it'll happen. And then even if we get past that important uh, obstacle coming up next week, 
we still have other issues looming. By the end of the month, uh, October that is, uh, we've got a different kind of problem, which is to say that there's a debt ceiling uh, our country confronts that has to be increased because we're coming up, up against that debt ceiling. So, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of turmoil in the month ahead. It's possible they could do the two simultaneously, but again, uh, I won't handicap this uh, other than to say we typically get through these moments, but usually with high drama. Thanks so much. That's Richard DeKazer, chief corporate economist at Wells Fargo, based in D.C. People outside of the comic book world may not be aware it's a very large industry, a lot of wheeling and dealing going on. Let's learn more. Vincent Zerzolo, uh, COO of ComicConnect.com. That's ComicConnect.com. Also with Metropolis Collectibles. It's the world's largest dealership of vintage comics. Uh, Vincent, appreciate you joining us. As we get started here, are we just talking? talking about these vintage comics, or is there stuff that's more recent that also seems to have value? Well, thanks so much for having me on, Cisco. Uh, you know, it's a great question. Vintage comic books are definitely growing. We've seen incredible demand for them over the last few years, especially since the pandemic. But even modern comic books, contemporary books that have come out in the last few months have been getting scooped up, um, oftentimes because of low print runs or special artist variants that uh, are involved. But yes, we see across the boards on vintage comic books, modern comic books, as well as other categories of collectibles that we've delved into over the last few years, including video games, original comic art, and pulps and statues everything seems to be in demand right now does it matter uh, what, what sort of condition the comics are in or uh, pretty much is there some value if it's uh, if it's something that's vintage if it's something that is rare uh, is it still valuable well, absolutely. A condition comes into play all the time. However, just because you have something in low grade doesn't mean it's worthless. You could have a comic book from 1938, the first appearance of Superman, in Action Comics number one, in a low grade condition, it could still be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars easily. When it comes to this as an investment, I, I think a lot of people, they think of, uh, well, if I don't have comics from when I was a kid in the attic or something, well, well then I, I can't get into this. Can you get into it, buy something, hold on to it for a little while, maybe a year, three, five years, and then have it turn into a good investment? Well, that same argument, I would say, well, if you didn't buy Apple when it came out, how could you make money on it? Of course, that's not true. So you can definitely delve into the comic book market right now, whether it be old comic books or new, and definitely have to hold on to them for a certain period of time. Um, some comic books are speculated upon because of movies that are going to be coming out. If the movie is very successful, the comic books continue to go up in value. Um, you have other collectibles that just seem to go up over time, first appearances of Spider-Man, Batman, things like that. But then you also have modern comic books that are like I said, are coming out all the t uh, every month, and those are also types of things you can speculate and invest in and collect. And you know, nothing's guaranteed. None of us have a crystal ball. We don't know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow. We don't know what the real estate market's going to do tomorrow. But what we can tell you is that what what's great about collectibles is over the course of the last three, four, five decades, we have seen a steady growth in the market. And and over the last year since the pandemic, we've seen exponential growth. Uh, comic books that I've sold last year for $100,000 are selling for two, dollars $300,000. Comic books that I sold last year for $10 are now selling $20, $30, $40, So as you, I mean, it sounds like you mentioned Apple. It sounds like the same with stocks. You need to manage expectations. Everyone loves having that comic book that gets sold for a million dollars, but instead maybe it's more you make 400 here, uh, six or 700 there, and, and still make some, some pretty good profits. 
Yeah, we all like to hit home runs, but you know, games are built and, and, and collectibles and investment portfolios are built off of singles and doubles and triples. And so you want to try to take a look at the overall uh, experience. You can definitely look at comic books as someplace where you can park money and watch it grow over time, but you have to be patient and you have to also realize, just like with anything else, you're not going to win on every single one of them, but you want to have a, a really good batting average and basically be able to win on the majority. Um, calling up a company like mine uh, is a great place to start to get advice. Uh, looking into um, online price guides like gpanalysis.com and gocollect.com, those are great places to start. Going to our websites, following our auctions for comicconnect.com, we have event auctions and mega monthly auctions. These are great places to pick up knowledge and information and take that information and then start to invest, just like you would with anything else. Yeah, just a fascinating uh, sort of alternate, exciting way of investing. Thank you. That's Vincent Zerzolo, COO of ComicConnect.com and Metropolis Collectibles. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Jeff Kilberg is joining us, Chief Investment Officer at Sanctuary Wealth here in Chicago. Uh, Jeff, I mean, earlier this week you had a big drop, you had big rises, and today it's just basically flat. What do you see here? Well, Cisco, you're absolutely right. It's been a whippy round trip this week. We certainly saw the market on Monday. The Dow was down over a thousand. And sure enough, Fed Chairman Powell and the Federal Reserve quelled all the fears. We saw a pretty sharp rally the last couple of days. So yes, today is mixed. It's kind of in the wake of Nike. Nike came out with their earnings report and really cited a lot of supply chain issues, which of course we're already aware of. But with this mixed choppy market, I think it's actually setting up for a pretty positive fourth quarter. So I think September has the ability to get back to either break even or even positive for the month, which seasonally, as you know, Cisco, September's a pretty rough month. But I get optimistic about the way the year of 2021 may wrap up. And even when you have situations like on Monday uh, where, you know, markets were really down, uh, it seems like there's always opportunities out there if you're patient and if you're willing to dig around. There absolutely is. And right now we're favoring semiconductors. We're also liking housing stocks as well. But look at some of the names, some of the blue chip tangible names that we kind of forget about. We get so enamored with Google and Microsoft and some of the other names. But look at a name like Johnson & Johnson. I know it's only up 7% year to date, but we're seeing some investors flock to that. Also, CME Group. The CME Group, as we see trading and interest rates potentially move higher, you'll see more volumes there, which produces more revenue. So there's a couple names I think you have to look for. I know we're at the very high end of this bull cycle, but we're going into earnings season. So October is going to see an earnings season, which will be critical, but we are seeing some value still out there, despite the fact that the S&P 500 is about 1.5% from all-time highs. And so uh, let's talk about crypto here. It dropped because China really seems to be pushing back on, on this and all catching a hold in China. It is. And what you're seeing coming out of China, the continued rhetoric, they talked about the banking aspect back in May and June. Now they're talking about you know stopping complete cryptocurrency from anyone owning. So it's really uh, pronounced uh, quite the statement. But look at where Bitcoin is. It's been quite resilient. So I think as we continue to approach and understand what this adoption is. If we do see an ETF, it's not going to be Q4 of 2021, but potentially in 2022. I think cryptocurrencies, as long as you understand the volatility associated with cryptocurrencies specific to Bitcoin or Ethereum, I think there's still an opportunity. It's going to be volatile, which of course allows you to buy, but it seems that 40,000 has been a pretty good support level in Bitcoin. And people, when it comes to crypto, you just have to expect volatility. I mean, that at least in the near term is going to keep happening. Well, look, we went from talking about dividend-focused stocks, 
which is very uh, dampened volatility, to talking about Bitcoin, which is very volatile. So I think as long as you understand what percentage of your portfolio you have an allocation to in cryptocurrencies, let's understand, Cisco, that Bitcoin is not going away. We're not going to see blockchain. We're actually seeing decentralized finance, that whole theme of DeFi really starting to take some traction, not just domestically, but also globally. So I think you have to understand how you get that exposure. And maybe it's just more in owning certain stocks that have exposure to Bitcoin. Maybe you don't have to actually own the direct underlying Bitcoin cryptocurrency itself, but some of the stocks, if it's a PayPal, you know, if it's a MicroStrategy, some of these names do have direct correlation to Bitcoin. And uh, let's uh, pivot from Bitcoin. You talked about a few stocks there. Nike, uh, kind of a, a mixed outlook, and yet that seems to usually be a pretty attractive stock. It is, and I think Nike's been on an unbelievable run. But if you do look at, you know, today, down almost 7%, it's providing an opportunity because now after just a, a 40% move higher in 2020, now year-to-date, Nike's only up about 13.5%. But I do think once we kind of overcome, and you have to remember what actually transpired. Obviously, COVID-19 really put press pause and froze all the global economy. Then all of a sudden, the Delta variant, which we've had to endure in July and August, that was kind of a, a pump fake, if you will, of this global recovery. So I think that's been really relevant and revealed in some of these earnings reports. So I think Nike has an opportunity to go back up if we can get over these global lockdowns, which were specifically in China in the month of July and August. I think Nike will have the ability to move back higher. Thanks so much. Good insight from Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer at Sanctuary Wealth here in Chicago. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday this afternoon. We're putting the spotlight on the business of plastic surgery. We welcome Dr. Jeremy Warner, plastic surgeon, owner of the Warner Institute in Winnetka. Dr. Warner, good to have you joining us here. Uh, What does it take as an entrepreneur, what does it take to stay on the cutting edge uh, of an area like plastic surgery? I mean, it seems like there's changes and innovations all the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, there are changes all the time. And uh, one of the biggest challenges is actually the fact that as doctors, we're not trained in business uh, really at all during our training. So uh, that's been one of the biggest challenges is, is something that I've loved is being a business person and trying to figure all that out. But uh, yeah, technology is just explosive in the world of plastic surgery. And we're constantly evaluating new devices and new techniques to make things better. In order, people think of doctors and they don't understand, as you mentioned, business people, that there is competition here. And so you probably have to constantly innovate and think of new ways to do things, uh, new things to offer in order to attract customers that do have choices. They can go to other doctors. Yeah, it's interesting because the entire field of uh, being doctors in general uh, is full of competition in one way or another. You got People have choices these days. Uh, but particularly in the world of plastic surgery where most things are elective and people can really shop around. So uh, you've really got to be able to highlight uh, things that you do and uh, come up with innovative ways of doing new things, which also ultimately helps the specialty propel forward, too. And a lot of people probably attracted to doctors who can say, hey, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be off work less time. You're going to heal better, less pain, less invasive, ma- making these procedures smoother. Yep, that's exactly right. That's one thing that we're always striving to do in the world of medicine and particularly surgery is figuring out uh, easier ways to do things, safer ways to do things, more efficient ways of doing things. And uh, patients are always going to want to have less downtime to get things done. As an entrepreneur, how important have you found the customer service aspect? Uh, people often complain, uh, you know, no bedside manner, doctors don't interact well. And, and yet if you do, you probably win people over. Yeah, and that's a that's a big issue in medicine in general. Not uh, not just plastic surgery is uh, fi- finding an, an ample amount of time to spend with patients and make them feel welcome. Uh, and that's actually one of our something that's huge in my personal business uh, model is making sure that patients feel like they're family and feel at home and and not rushed and feel like they got plenty of time to sit down and talk about all the different aspects of what we're proposing to do. And you do this, you're the plastic surgeon, and yet you also spend a lot of time doing charity work in other countries, if I understand right. Tell us about that. Yeah, my my, my practice is unique in that it's not just uh, opening the doors, uh, you know, Monday through Friday and doing surgery on people. Uh, We also have a huge arm where we're focused on uh, training the next generation of surgeons with a high-level fellowship. And then our third arm is actually global mission work in healthcare. And uh, I do serve as mission director for uh, Face the Future uh, mission trip to Nepal, Kathmandu every year, where we go out and take a team of doctors, surgeons, anesthesiologists, ICU doctors, nurses, uh, a lot of healthcare professionals to go out and provide uh, high-level care and uh, uh, teach our colleagues in Nepal how to do things uh, maybe a little differently as well. Thanks so much for joining us. That's Dr. Jeremy Warner, our Friday entrepreneur, plastic surgeon, owner of the Warner Institute in Winnetka. News that makes you money. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Congressional hearings this week have highlighted a dramatic increase of incidents involving out-of-control airline passengers. Let's discuss the situation with Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Uh, Ken, during these hearings, any, any effort to figure out why we're getting more unruly passengers or do they just blame, you know, the masks and that sort of stuff? Well, it's the division within the population about the masks. But also, you know, you got to remember social media because for some strange reason, they take pictures of these people on there and some of them become heroes on for, uh, for some unknown reason. The long and short is this is something the airlines have been pushing for. Uh, they've started the program of also trying to get them to ban alcohol sales before you get on an airplane. Many of the airlines have now stopped serving alcohol, even in first class. But the long and short is they've raised the punishment level, in other words, the, the fines on a federal level. But more importantly, you've noticed that uh, flight attendants now are taking courses by the TSA how to defend themselves. People have got to realize that flight attendants, the crew, everyone on board an aircraft is really there not just to serve you, but to save you. They're for a safety reason. You know, God forbid a plane goes down. These people know what to do and how to guide you out of there. And the idea of people taking their problems and frustrations out on them is absurd. Now, uh, you, you talked about alcohol. That, that's a big part of this, at least trying to, to stop some of that. There's got to be pressure, though, at the airports from the places that sell the alcohol. I mean, they, they want to be able to sell their product. Yeah, they do, but the long again, the long and short of it is, what's more important, a per person's life or having a free drink or something like that? And when it comes to flying, safety is first. That's the most important thing. And people should not take it into their hands that they're going to go against these people on the aircraft who are charged to taking care and be in their care, and then they go after them. It's not the way to do it. So uh, Delta was correct in trying to get them and other airlines to pass around a flight list. So these people are banned from flying, period. And then that, uh, you know, maybe even just the threat of that will be enough to get some people to settle down. I'm, I'm sure that's a part of what they're looking for is not I getting rid of the people with the incidents, but stopping the incidents before they happen. Well, you got to stop before they happen, but I think it's euphemistic. You got to get tough with people. The uh, deterrence here is, yes, the alcohol. But the big deterrence is both financial and not allowing them to fly on any airline. And that's what you do. Thanks so much. That's Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.